1: Back in the time of Capone, there was uh, gangsters and killings. Then in the 90s, we were very fortunate to have the Bulls. So we changed the narrative everywhere you went. Michael Jordan, the Bulls. Now we're back to, to gangs and, and violence. And so we've got to change the narrative. And we're in charge of our own narrative. So we've, we've got to start taking steps to change that narrative.
0: Hi, everybody. I'm Fran Spielman. My guest this week is the chairman of the city council's Hispanic caucus, Alderman Gil Viegas. Alderman, thanks for joining us. Welcome back.
1: Thank you, Fran. Thank you for having me.
0: Earlier this week, you were pleasantly surprised, flattered, but also a little bit frustrated when Mayor Lori Lightfoot unveiled a $16.7 billion budget that included a $31.5 million guaranteed minimum income pilot. This is an idea that you championed and that started really during the Emanuel administration with a task force that recommended it. It calls for sending $500 monthly checks, no strings attached, to 5,000 of Chicago's neediest families for one year. Why were you pleased and why were you all so frustrated?
1: Well, as you stated, um, this, this uh, idea came about um, in 2018. I was part of that task force as well. And there was a couple of items that came out of there and universal basic income was one of them. And uh, this not being a universal basic income, I wanted to make it a little bit more uh, strategic in the investments, uh, we 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 coined it guaranteed basic income. Uh, to kind of keep in line with what other cities are doing throughout the country. Um, now, once this funding, you know, obviously the biggest barrier has been funding. And so once this program, once the funding came from the feds, uh, I was excited because uh, I had my staff comb through some of the rules that were allowed corporations, and cash assistance was one of them. And so what we did was we put we conducted a hearing. And we we brought in some other uh, other cities that have been uh, doing GBIs under the CARES Act funding. So we knew that ARP funding was going to be similar to some of the rules. Uh, and we brought in, listened to what they had to say, and then we went ahead and put pen to paper and crafted an ordinance. Um, uh, first, a resolution, then an ordinance, specifically spelling out what we would do. So I had my staff doing a lot of research, and, and I have and I have to give a plug to the National League of Cities where I sit on a board. It helped me connect with some of my colleagues throughout the country that have been doing this type of program, uh, and talk about their best um, ex- best experiences. So, this uh, it was frustrating because this could have been done back in April, uh, in May, and a bit it could have been done um, quite frankly through an executive order. So that way we can do it as quickly as possible um, to get to get money into the hands of people that have been devastated by this pandemic. The ARP act, let's, let's, let's step back for a second to see how this came about. You know, the uh, federal, there was a presidential election that took place and stimulus, payments of stimulus was an issue. President Biden wins, there's a, there's a, there's a, a special election in Georgia. For the first time, uh, an African-American and a Jewish uh, senator are elected. Again, making sure, pushing for the American Rescue Plan. So the intent of the American Rescue Plan was to help people out, um, and, um, and 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 um, I had some discussions with the White House to make sure um, that there, that the uh, GBI uh, pilot program would be an allow, allowable appropriation. So I'm about um, wanting to get things done, and I had proposed this idea to the administration only only to be only to be have some pushback that. This, they didn't want to do this right now, which is frustrating because the intent of the American Rescue Plan is to help people. Well, and
0: then when you did your resolution earlier, uh, I think it was April or March, a seemingly harmless resolution uh, to demonstrate the council's support for this, um, it touched off a heated debate. Alderman Jason Irvin, the chairman of the Black Caucus, demanded on that day that reparations. Come first,
1: yes. Which was which was quite surprising because both the co-sponsors, Alderman King and Alderman Haddon, who are members of the of the Black Caucus, were unaware that that was going to occur. And quite frankly, the African American community, uh, as well as the Latino community, um, really stood to benefit from this pilot program, just given the economics that occur in our communities. Uh, And if we're going to talk about reparations. Um, my response to the chairman at that time was, "Well, where's your ordinance at to talk about reparations? See, I don't want to talk about it. I want to do it. And so, um, when I talked about guaranteed basic in- income, I put pen to paper. Um, my 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 colleagues spoke about reparations. Uh, this was this was uh, held up in April, and here we are going almost into October, and there's still no ordinance uh, around reparations. So, uh, I don't know what the intent was. Um, um, okay of um, of holding it up but i can tell you that the um the, the 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 benefits of this guaranteed basic income program uh would have benefited uh both the latino community as well as the african-american community um so again I'm, i was trying to help um people as quickly as possible given the fact that the american rescue plan had been passed and we were slated to get money in may and so, why, why, if the money is coming into the city coffers in May, why wouldn't we want to get that money out the door as soon as possible, uh, given that people are still struggling from a pandemic?
0: So why do you suppose the mayor put you off then? And why is she pirating this now?
1: I don't know, uh, quite frankly. Um, I'm not sure, because again, six months ago, um, we could have been started this pilot programming and, and, and got it going. We could have been three months into the actual pilot, um, knowing that it would have taken at least three months to get a program put together, but w- this is not a novel idea. This is things that this has been going on throughout the country. And so we could have looked at other cities for best practices. Um, so I, I'm not sure. I think it has to do with wanting to put a lot of good things in the budget, which would make it harder for folks not to want to support the budget. Uh, Yeah, I think uh, I
0: got the feeling it was thrown in at the end because at our edit board meeting, uh, our editorial board, Mayor Lightfoot referred to it as a three million dollar program. She didn't even know the cost of it herself. And when we asked who would who would be eligible, they didn't know that either. So a lot of this has not really been thought very much through. Which is frustrating
1: because which is frustrating because my staff has spent a lot of time. Uh, and did some research, and all they had to do was just reach out to us and say, "Hey, we want to include this. What data do you have?" Uh, and we we would have been more than happy to present the administration with some of the data that we were able to to dig up, um, and it, it, to the point where we even had um, maybe utilizing some of the um, the uh, uh, the ID, the city's ID card, um, city key, uh, in order to be the the vehicle that receives the uh, the funding uh, to promote both the city key as well as make it a make it an item where you can get like a cash app on it
0: and you're her former floor leader and she still didn't reach out to you what what's that all about
1: i'm not sure you may have to uh call her um to ask her about that i'm not sure
0: is there some bad blood there
1: i i would i wouldn't say there's there's bad blood i would just say there's just not a lot of communication
0: And why is that? I mean, why did you, why were you her floor leader and why are you not now? What happened there and why was it so difficult to be her floor leader?
1: Well, I I wanted to focus on some of the things that um, that I've been working on. Uh, I wanted to focus, obviously, on the committee that I chair, Economic Capital and Technology, but I also wanted to uh, focus on three national boards that I'm on, which are the National Association of Latino Elected Officials, uh, Democratic Municipal Official, and then National League of Cities, and we've been working on a bunch of things uh, related to capital, the federal level for capital.
0: Oh, I know um, that, but I want to know how difficult it was to be her floor leader, given her tense relationship with the city council from day one.
1: Well, I, I think I think everyone's management styles is uh, different, and obviously the mayor has her own style, and it is her style. That's okay. What is
0: her style? Uh, Tell, describe it.
1: Well, her her style is 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 a style that um, she's once uh, she has a position on something, she's very adamant about it. Um, she wants people to agree um, with everything that she's proposing, and so there has to be that there there has to be um, we have to allow for um, debate, and we also have to allow for different ideas to emerge. Um, if you if I present an idea and someone comes with a counter idea. If I'm still able to get seventy five percent of what I proposed, I see it as a win as long as you're moving the the ball down the field I see those as wins um, so again, her style's a, a lot different than than what I'm used to uh, it it just wasn't a fit, and I wanted to move move on and focus on things that i that I wanted to to focus on
0: It's kind of a my way or the highway type deal
1: um, i would I would say that um she she has a very unique style.
0: Am I right about the my way or the highway?
1: I'm going to say that she has a very she has her own style, very unique style.
0: Well, What kind of style is that?
1: I just I just said that um, sometimes ideas are put forward, and if they're not in line with uh, what she's envisioning, uh, then then it's usually not um, uh, accepted at at a at a at a level. The member might feel that they're winning as well.
0: So, two years ago, this task force on universal basic income in Chicago that uh, Rahm Emanuel appointed suggested giving a thousand struggling Chicagoans a thousand dollars a month to help break the cycle of poverty. You cut that to five hundred dollars a month for five thousand people. You did that to stretch the money, I take it. but does five hundred dollars make that big of a difference, or don't you need to do a thousand to really you know take the edge off financially?
1: Well, a thousand would be great, but the reality is that during this pandemic, uh, we were trying to uplift as many families as possible. look, I, I speak for this, I, I'm a supporter of this program. Not because it's it's uh, um uh, it's political. I support this program because I'm a I'm a I'm a product of a program that was similar uh, called the survival death benefits for Social Security. Uh, when my dad died when I was eight, my mom was left with two boys. She had a she had a job, and fortunately, she was able to get eight hundred bucks a month until I was eighteen for both me and my brother. So, um, the gov- federal government invested in us, and as a result of that. Um, both me and my brother went to the Marines, so we paid back our debt to the federal government. But more importantly, we've been we've been taxpayers since we were eighteen. Uh, so So we've paid back uh, the investment that the federal government did in us four or fivefold. Um, so I, I think it's important that when we're talking about infrastructure, investing in infrastructure, we're also talking about investing in the human infrastructure. And so since this was an allowable appropriation under the under the uh, ARP Act, and would not have to seek a waiver. This was this was something that could immediately been done. Uh, I thought I thought it was a, a, a good opportunity to help people. Mind you, I would also add that the Latino community. There's some people in the Latino community that did not benefit from the stimulus package, the stimulus checks. They received none because of their status in as 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 a, as a citizen. So I saw this as an opportunity to potentially help those folks that are taxpayers but don't have the ability to benefit from some of the federal programs.
0: What about the stereotypical fears that are raised about these kinds of universal basic income programs, uh, that the check will make recipients stop working, uh, that they might not have the incentive uh, to go out and find a job or to work that extra job, or that they might use the money for drugs and alcohol? What, what about those stereotypes?
1: Okay, so nothing is nothing is perfect, Um, but when we looked at the Stockton report, one percent Stockton,
0: California.
1: I'm sorry, Stockton, California, uh, along with uh, Stanford, they did they did an analysis on the Stanford, uh, universal basic Stanford University.
0: Oh, Stanford um, University. um, Sorry.
1: Yes, did did an analysis with Stockton, and based on the the information that they were able to gather, one percent of the recipients of these dollars spent it on alcohol and, and cigarettes. 1% 12% 1%, 12% of the recipients got a better job because they were able to take a sick day and not have to worry about making ends meet at the end of the month while they, while, while they try to better themselves, there was other percentages there and all of it was positive. Of course it's going to be negative. And quite frankly, if you are thinking that someone's going to retire or stop working for $6,000 a year, where the heck are you going to live that in the city of Chicago for six thousand dollars a year? So I think I think we know the I know the price of incarceration, which is about fifty thousand dollars a year. We know the price of people getting shot and and not dying, but getting shot and getting to the hospital are in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so here we are talking about a program six thousand dollars per family, which would allow a working a working mom the ability to either work with dignity. Allow for that funding to happen, uh, where she would spend it on some daycare, so that she doesn't have to take the second job. Which means that potentially the streets are going to be watching the kids, which in turn leads to gang violence. We need to we need we need to start being a little creative in thinking how we're investing in people. And again, this is a small amount. When when we look at the total investment from the 1.9 billion, this was 1.5 percent of the total funding. Would be for this for this pilot program 1.5 percent. Again, I, we know what the price is for incarceration, and we know what the price is for people getting shot. I thought this would I thought this would be a, a good opportunity uh, to use these funds for in a positive way for folks that are working and allowing them a, a little extra assistance uh, so they can continue to be con- be to be contributing to to a Chicago society.
0: What happens when the federal spigot gets turned off? What do you do then? Right. When the year is over, what do you do?
1: Right, right. Perfect. So so what we were thinking about based on our research was we would have the recipients have a card where they would spend their money. We would be able to track where they're spending the money. Based on how they were spending it in the six-month period, we would be, then be allowed to go and, and, and talk with philanthropic uh, contributors, corporations, uh, and find out. How can we how can we try to some, underwrite some of these some of these uh, funds for this type of program uh, to see if not that we had some data in order in order to uh, see if it can in a program that could be done in perpetuity but the reality is that we got to start somewhere and you got to have data if people want to invest and so if we're able to use this funding which is an allowable appropriation to put forward a program measure it and then try to find people to help us uh, fund it moving forward. I think was a was a was a good approach and a good appropriation of uh, ARPX. again and I and I'll mention it was it was a allowable appropriation according to the Treasury, without having to get a waiver. I I, I think I think that base, once the the pilot was done, we could measure it and then move forward with whether or not this is something that the city wanted to invest in, or something that corporations as well as philanthropic folks we would talk to them about helping us fund it.
0: Let's talk a little bit about the budget itself. Uh, the mayor is truly playing Santa Claus here and what a what a great avalanche of federal money. And then she couples it with the capital plan and she makes this extraordinary amount of 1.2 billion in new investments. Uh, she's using 567 million in federal relief money, 660 million from the capital, Bond issue of this year funded by a $25 million property tax increase, 202 million on homelessness, 52 million on mental health initiatives, 150 million for youth programming, 85 million for violence interventions. I could go on and on. She really is playing Santa Claus. Are you concerned that she's doing so much new stuff? that Chicago will go cold turkey after this federal money dries up. and what do we do then?
1: Well, I think that by then hopefully uh, the economy is, is doing a little bit better. Uh, we have to understand that some of these appropriations are one-time appropriations and some of these programs are going to be one-time programs. Um, so if we go in, we, if we go in knowing that, then uh, we should be okay. You know the capital program is something that I championed um, last year. And the reason why is because there's been multiple, multiple capital programs throughout, throughout uh, Chicago's history, and yet we have crumbling streets, sidewalks, curbs, no lighting, um, and so I I thought it was a it was a good investment um, because when people call my office, they're calling about these bread and butter issues that are important to local local municipalities, local municipalities. So um, we know that uh, whether it be at the state or at the federal level. Um, those elected officials don't like to cut a ribbon on an alley, repaving of an alley or uh, a street getting new lights. They like to cut ribbons on new new buildings, new bridges. So this capital bill really, and this capital project really deals with the bread and butter issues that, that and nuts and bolts issues that our offices have to deal with on a daily basis. So the capital program, I'm a huge proponent of it. Uh, typically during pandemics, you've always seen government step up make these types of investments uh, to keep people working. And that's something that I I championed uh, um, last uh, budget season and I'll do it again this year as well.
0: How do you feel about this shell game she's playing to get around the US Treasury Department's ban on using stimulus money to retire debt? Instead, she's using 782 million in federal relief funds to replace lost revenue in 2020 and 2021 and setting aside 152 million uh, for revenue replacement next year and another 385 to bankroll city programs next year. And that infusion of cash lets her uh, retire $465 million in scuba and toss borrowing that settles yet another generation of taxpayers with debt. And, and then she's also canceling plans to borrow $500 million more. That's a shell game.
1: Well, that funding... Um... And, and, and you have to appreciate some of the creativity here with the creative financing. Um, <laughs> That's one way
0: to I put think, it.
1: I, I, think, I, I, I think whether we, whether we if, if we don't retire the 500 million as well as the 450 that you mentioned, we got to pay for it some, somehow. So um, I've, I've said from the beginning that as relates to the 1.9 billion, uh, up to 50%, I'm okay paying some of the, the short-term loans and some of the debt that we've incurred. Um, but we're talking about 68% of this budget, um, uh, 68% of the ARP Act mo- money uh, going towards Wall Street and not Main Street. Uh, I want to see some more programs that really help people um, and, 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 and really help people recover. I mean, it's in the name of the act. It's called the American Recovery Act. Um, and, and that's what we need to do is make sure during this pandemic people are, are coming back. Um, so th- that's what I have to say about that. I, again, the mayor proposes her budget. Now we start the hearings starting Monday, where we have the ability to grill uh, some of the departments. I'm sorry, Friday, rather. Uh, tomorrow, we start this, uh, the process. Um, we'll be able to ask uh, the CFO, the budget director, as well as the comptroller. Uh, I am concerned that I've proposed multiple ideas around structural saving. Related to technology, and this administration hasn't done anything about it. I proposed two ideas that came forward that would have saved the city fifty million dollars a year uh, structurally in perpetuity, uh, and yet they have not acted on it, which tells me that they haven't done they haven't done as much as I would like to see in trying to figure a way where we where we're not going back to the taxpayers to ask for additional funding.
0: How do you do that? That fifty million.
1: Well, one of them, twenty-five million, was just. Uh, uh, time and attendance software, which would modernize the city's time and attendance. Um, and what what we saw was the county implemented this type of program uh, a couple years ago and saved 18 to 20 million. Chicago is a lot bigger. And the, on, the, on the low end, they were talking about 25 million based on the public data that these, that these firms were looking at. On the other 25 million, it was just simply going to the cloud related to uh, required software back, required data backup for CPD. By so by going to the cloud, uh, there are companies that would say they can save us tons of money. Plus, not to mention, just by the fact that I when I issued the order last year, re- asking the uh, or demanding that the chief uh, financial officer, co- comptroller, as well as the budget director issue a request for information (RFI) to talk about rethinking and reimagining how we delivered city services by using technology at the forefront. Just by introducing that order, we have current contract holders that the city have doing IT come forward, wanna meet with me and talking about, we think we can save the city $10 million just by using this type of approach. And we're, we're, then my immediate question was, well, how long have you had this contract? And they're like, three years. I'm like, Well, you owe us 30 million because if you're talking about you can save 10 million how can you even come back to us back then, saying that you could save us ten million? So just asking these questions and being aggressive on on um, with the vendors, um, I think we could save tons of money. but we' we're just not being creative on on utilizing technology to deal with the way we deliver city services.
0: We're in the middle of a crime wave. This week, on the same day, two students at Simeon High School, were gunned down on the streets of Chicago. Last year, the mayor balanced her budget by eliminating 614 police vacancies. She literally shrunk the department by attrition. And now she is not adding those vacancies back. In fact, uh, we're a 1,000 officers below that shrunken figure. She's adding to the police department's budget, mostly to pay for the police contract. Should she? be adding police officers at a time when crime, uh, murders and shootings and carjackings are up.
1: We need to, we need to take a, um, a strategic approach in dealing with violence in the city. It's, it's not just adding police officers, which I support. We need to add police officers. Um, there's a lot add of people them, that are add, not taking not
0: fill of- the vacancies add them is what you're saying.
1: I'm saying add police, yes, but we also I'm need to in. add. Uh, well, that uh, I would, I would, I would probably def- defer to the uh, superintendent and those that are experts uh, within public safety because my my expertise is more in the infrastructure capital side, construction side. I would talk with um, uh, subject matter experts within public safety to determine what the what the need is. But we also need to make sure that we're investing in some of these programs as well, anti violence programs. Uh, getting some of these communities that have not been invested in a long time, finding out how we can invest in them, uh, uh, and encouraging um, local hiring, encouraging um, businesses to locate to some of these uh, communities that have not had seen investments. So it's not just police. Um, there has to be also uh, investments within these communities. The other thing I would say is that when we're taking a look at the state's attorney as well as uh, the chief judge, uh, uh, the sheriff, Tom Dart. We need to figure out collectively how we're going to address this public safety issue. It's not just, it's not just the city, city, uh, Chicago Police Department. It's not just State's Attorney's Office, the sheriff, the judges. It's everybody together, and we need some leadership to put everybody together, together, and figure out how we're going to address this issue. Um, right now, if you poll people, public safety is the number one issue. Um, and the problem is, is that statistically, even if it is going down, which I don't think it is, um, the narrative is there. So back in, back in the time of Capone, there was, uh, gangsters and killings. Then in the nineties, we were very fortunate to have the bulls. So we changed the narrative everywhere you went, Michael Jordan, the bulls. Now we're back to, to gangs and, and violence. And so we've got to change the narrative and we're in charge of our own narrative. So we we've, we've got to start taking steps to change that narrative.
0: Is David Brown up to the task? Earlier this week, we asked Mayor Lightfoot about that, and she's standing by her man.
1: Well, I mean, obviously, that's her choice to stand by by um, the superintendent. Our our what we did was we we fulfilled our portion, which is the confirmation of the I'm superintendent. I'm asking you what you
0: think of his performance.
1: Well, I'm I'm not too um, I'm not too um, uh, impressed with his imp- performance. Um, and you got crime. Well, you've got crime all over the city, and some of the strategies that he keeps on and uh, he's he's put forward, he's had to change some of them, some of them, which I respect when you introduce something and doesn't work. But this has just been this has just been going on for too long. People are tired of some of these uh, strategies that are not working. and they want to see some better strategies. And again, I stated, I'm not a public safety expert. Um, my job is to listen to, uh, the public safety, uh, subject matter experts and support some of the ideas that they're putting forward. Um, but the, 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 the um, uh, strategies that the superintendent has put forward, they're not, they're not yielding the results that he talked about when he first came on the, uh, came on the scene back, uh, back a year and a half ago.
0: So should she get rid of him?
1: That's her, that's her decision on what she wants to do. Um, um, again, we we fulfilled our portion of the confirmation. That's, um, that's the superintendent that she selected, so she'll have to make that decision.
0: Earlier this year, you demanded to know why there was only one Latino among his nine merit promotions to the rank of lieutenant. So you're not happy with him. You said it was a slap no, in the face.
1: No, absolutely. I mean, here, um, you had a merit promotion opportunity to... Um, really diversify the bench and what we saw there was one latino out of out of uh, nine get selected which tells me that there isn't a commitment there it was really an afterthought hey do we have any maria or jose's around okay throw them on there um there was really no strategic approach so and but the reason why that exists is because if you look at the leadership within the police department now there are zero zero chiefs that are latino and so, um, recently, the City Council um, Latino Caucus put forward a report card that talked about um, the diversity uh, within uh, within the departments, as well as within the uh, within the administration. And the overall grade that this administration received was a D, um, because it, there's, there's not a commitment. Then you
0: have a school CEO named Pedro Martinez a former CFO under Arnie Duncan, who was in Chicago. He went to San Antonio and a couple of other places. He's back home now. He's not an educator. Does that appease you?
1: Well, here, look, um, there's been, in the last, this month, there's been recent appointments of Latinos, which I appreciate. Who's However-
0: that? Other is, than Martinez. Well,
1: you have Pedro Martinez, who's the new CPS yeah. CEO. You have oh yeah uh, a
0: chief some uh, yeah, chief procurement procurement
1: officer. Chief. yeah yeah Miss Velasquez that's coming on, and then you mm-hmm. have Eric Eric Varela who's the new Port Authority. So this is all happening during Hispanic Heritage Month, which I appreciate, but we're Hispanic the other eleven months too. And my job is to make sure that throughout the year, and throughout the administration, the course of the administration's term, that we're 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 giving uh, fair assessments. Of of the administration as it relates to diversity and more importantly for me, parity. Because diversity and diversity and equity and inclusion is not working for our community. We need parity. We need to make sure that as opportunities come up, that Latinos are given an opportunity uh, and, and selected. Um, so right now you have uh, 32, um, 30 to 32 commissioners. You have you have uh, you have three, uh, three or four commissioners that are Latino when in fact it should be anywhere between 10 and 12. So we wanna see parity because diversity, equity, and inclusion ain't working for us.
0: In the 2020 census, Hispanics bypassed blacks as Chicago's majority minority. The Hispanic population is up 5.2%. The black population is down almost 10%. How do we get uh, how many wards do you, do you think more Hispanic majority wards does, do, does the Hispanic community deserve uh, with the census, and how do you avoid refueling political tensions between blacks and Hispanics as the black community tries to hold on to the 18 majority black wards that it has?
1: Well, all I can say is that right now we are look, we are looking at the data. We are looking at uh, ensuring that we're following the Voting Rights Act. And we're also listening to people through the city of Chicago to determine what a fair map uh, is going to look like. Um, so that's what we're doing right now. We're, we're, I'm not prepared right now to put, put a number on it. Um, but I can tell you that the number that we do move forward with is going to be based on data, the Voting Rights Act, and what people want within the city of Chicago. I'm yeah, not what just What about gonna throw- the
0: Black-Hispanic tensions? How do you avoid that?
1: Well, I think, I think that it could all be avoided by uh, continuing to have open dialogue, um, have the ability to negotiate and compromise. Um, if that occurs, I think that we can come to a place where we can all land uh, and be comfortable. But if there's no negotiations or no compromise that's going to exist, then uh, I'm one not to negotiate against myself. Uh, we'll just move forward with what it is that we feel is, could be defendable, what the people want. Uh, and, and then, also, more importantly, based on what the data uh, is is producing,
0: can a referendum be avoided? Ten aldermen can force one.
1: Uh, there's always, always, always the ability to avoid a referendum if everyone comes in with an open mind. If everyone comes in really to negotiate and compromise, we can definitely avoid that. Um, so it, it's going to be dependent on uh, other people. Because I can tell you right now that the Latino caucus is prepared. Uh, to negotiate and uh, in good faith and try to and try to come to a compromise, um, but as I stated before, we won't be negotiating no negotiating negotiating against ourselves.
0: Are you giving any thought to running for mayor against Mayor Lori Lightfoot if she runs? No, I'm not. None at all. So that's out of the question.
1: Right now, I'm focused on redistricting, the budget. I'm focused on. The national boards that I'm on, focus on the committee that I'm working on. That's where I'm focused on right now.
0: Can she be reelected?
1: Um, we're we are a year and a half away, which is an eternity in um, in politics. Um, Right now, and she uh, sits, yes or no? Again, it depends, she has to run against somebody, so it depends on who that other I understand, somebody but is. What,
0: how would you rate the chances right now?
1: Uh, that's a hypothetical that I'm not prepared to answer given I don't know who the uh, the opposing uh, candidate would be. <laughs>
0: okay, you punted, let the record show. Alderman Gil-Viegas, <laughs> thanks so much for joining us and we will see you all next week.
1: Thank you.